0: Good for staying inside, watching movies, right, Carl Middleman?
1: Absolutely, unless you have to do hockey games where my thumb is sore from pressing the horn way too many times. People were texting me last night, hey, do you think the horn's going to be able to make it through the night? And I said, let's hope not. But it it worked and it was fine. 9 to 1, we broke a record. Really? Yeah, that was, I believe, the minute, I don't know if this is true about the entire minnesota franchise so i don't know if it includes the north stars but the wild had never been scored on nine times before oh according well, to the internets so it's probably wrong
2: and i well, don't know and that
1: doesn't include the old franchise this is just at least the new franchise hopefully it's the entire minnesota franchise but that that doesn't matter let's talk to joshua ray we'll talk to our guest joshua ray and q coming up next around minute three Shiva Baby, around minute nine, more about Qfest. around minute 23, Voyagers, around minute 32, Thunder Force, around minute 47, Held, around minute 55, Mafi, and then
0: around minute 56, what's going on at the Tivoli? And we're so happy to have uh, Joshua Ray as our guest today because he's going to fill us in on the upcoming Qfest, but always points to great movies that we should be paying attention to
2: yeah thanks for having me on again guys i'm glad to be here i can't help you with the hockey talk but i can help you with the movie talk hey
1: that's what, <laughs> hey, hey, you can still be a fan of that there are a lot of people especially in the last two years are like ah, go hockey
2: well i will tell you one of the more exciting things i saw the year that we won the stanley cup was that very last game i did not really know what was happening but i was yelling at the tv for so
1: and that's, that's all we ask. And then if you okay. go to a game, then you're, then you're hooked for life. So soon th- right now, they're letting in 4,200 people. i like, just like baseballs, baseballs at a third hockey, I believe is a, at a quarter. So we'll get there because one's inside one's outside.
0: Right. Well, Joshua, you, you mentioned this movie last year called the winter lake and it is now available to watch. So were you one of the people that recommended Winter Lake?
2: Um I have never heard of Winter Lake. So Okay. No, no I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I've got my thr- I've got my thrillers mixed up. Well, we've got some thrillers to talk about today. So uh we can uh, go from there.
1: Actually, can we can we start by someone telling me what shiva baby is because i've heard about it then i i wasn't offered it and i didn't know about it i heard dan Buffa talking about it yesterday and then all of a sudden now everyone's talking about it but i hadn't heard anything there was no buzz previous for
0: it well there was no email inviting us to watch it i'm just saying i went back and googled it or i mean you know searched
1: but joshua Joshua,
0: you saw it i
2: have um okay did you
1: did you know about it beforehand or did you just come across it okay
2: yes so um first let me say it is it's shiva baby and
1: sorry shiva like sitting sitting
2: shiva Shiva. right so it's like a week period of mourning um for the jewish religion for jewish jewish folks and that is a a different thing (laughs) Right, right. It's, it's a different thing. But it um, is also sort of a play on words for a sugar baby. Do you guys know what that would be? Yes. Okay, sugar baby is someone so, who has so, hold on. a sugar so daddy put, or sugar if mama. If you
1: put a shiva, which is a Jewish, the week of around the funeral where you're in mourning, mm-hmm. and sugar baby, which would be someone mm-hmm. who looks for old people, this sends a, sends a little uh, message of what the film might be about.
2: So, uh, it is Rachel Sennett, who... So, I'll, I'll say that I knew about Shiva Baby from the Fall Festivals. It did actually play at um, uh, Toronto, I wanna say. Uh, all it the did. festivals from last it year did. Are, are... Okay, great. Yeah, they're all kind of mixing in my head. Um, <clears throat> we were um, kind of toying with the idea of doing it for Qfest because the lead character is bisexual, mm-hmm. um, which is a part of the plot. And essentially what happens is, at the beginning of the film, you find out that she is um, a sugar baby. Um, She has an older man that who she's in a kind of financial relationship with. And she um, has to leave his apartment to go sit Shiva. Of course, um, you know, she doesn't really let her or anyone in on uh, that side of her and certainly not the guy that she's dating her money, um, doesn't really know much about her either. She's feeding him a lot of lies, this, this whole fantasy. Well, when she goes to Shiva, he's there. So, uh, the entire film is set during um, this funeral and her parents are there, um, family members are there, people are part of the uh, culture are there, or, uh, you know, close family friends are there, um, as well as her ex-girlfriend. Um, so it plays like um, a, a screwball comedy of the worst anxiety you've ever had, being in a room, trying to tell three different people, three different stories, and keep all of that straight in your head. And it's a, it's a fantastic movie. Um, Rachel said it, The the lead is going to be a, a great star. Um, Even if she's just sticks at this indie level, um, the way that she knows how to deliver lines, um, her comedic timing is incredible. I will give you a little early preview of Q-Fest. We have a a film called Tahara, which is actually kind of similar in content. It's set during Shiva as well, and um, about um, two girls who were sort of flirting with a relationship. Um, one of whom is bisexual, and she's played by Rachel Sennett, um, the same girl who plays the lead of Shiva Baby. <laughs> so so we have a little connection there. Um, and those of you who end up seeing Shiva Baby, I, I think would really enjoy Tahara, that we're going to have at Q-Fest. But I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Um, if, if you can't stand a kind of anxiety stomach churning uh, cringe comedy should probably stay away from it, but it is the best kind of that thing. Well,
0: they are developing a HBO comedy from Shiva baby
2: called sugar. Fantastic. I, I will watch every single episode. Um, I mean, um, Adam, so, McKay, right. Adam McKay is part of it. Part of the development. It is definitely right. That character, right for that kind of, you know, episodic television because the character is so incredibly complex and it's a very short film too. And it I plays heard it's like only 77 minutes. Yeah, yeah, but um you know, it, it's a part of uh, the writing the let me It's Emma Seligman is the writer director. She adapted it from a short uh film that she made just a couple years ago. Um and in a, a combination of script and uh, performer playing the right role, uh, this Rachel Senate is, she's just so fantastic in it. Um, I didn't know about the HBO adaptation. I hope Rachel Senate is involved. They're somehow. just, they just put
0: out a press release this week, I guess, to coincide with the release of the film. Now, is the film available uh, on demand? And is it also playing, uh, I think it's at the Plaza Frontenac, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, um, it is at Plaza Frontenac. And it also started on demand, I think, last Friday. Um, yeah, we were originally uh, going to have it for QFest, um, which is just a way of me saying that's a, a full-bodied endorsement, um, but the timing didn't work because QFest is coming up and it Came out beforehand. So um, sometimes that really doesn't work for us uh, in a film festival. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely, you know, if you're one who's not going to theaters yet, definitely check it out. It's available on demand now. Well, tell us about QFest. When is it? And it is virtual, correct? Yeah. Um, I think first time I talked to you guys on this podcast, so I was talking about last year's QFest, which was. Right the first virtual event for Cinema St. Louis, who's done now SLIF and Golden Anniversaries um, virtually, what else? The St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase? So this is round two for QFest to be virtual. It's going to start on um, Friday, April 16th and run through the 25th. Um, if you go to org, all the details that I'm about to spill are there. <laughs> um, but Everything's through Eventive, which um, you can play on your laptop, you can AirPlay to your television, depending on what devices you have. They also have applications for some of those streaming devices. Uh, I use Apple TV, so I'm able to watch everything in glorious HD on my TV. Um, Nice. We we have a a kind of smaller program this year, um, but I won't say that for the quality of the films. Um, I think actually I've been involved for a few years now. Um, this is the best slate that I've been involved with this far. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. If there are individual films that you want to check out, you can get individual tickets. But we also have passes this year. Um, there's a five film pass that's sixty bucks, which is pretty good value. Saves you a few bucks there. Cinema St. Louis members get it for fifty, and then we have all access passes for uh, one hundred fifteen. And 95 for Cinema St. Louis members. And you can see all this on cinemasaintlouis.org. You'll see it on the splash screen. Of course, for everyone, we do have our shorts um, screenings that are completely free this year, too.
0: And isn't there a 50th anniversary film, Pink Narcissus? Uh, Tell us about that one.
2: So Pink Narcissus is a film made by... um, James Biggood, who is just a a notorious um, man about New York in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, who made this wild, surreal, pornographic, beautiful-looking film about, well, it's not really about much. It's the (laughs) kind of daydreams of uh, of, uh, uh, Bobby Kendall, who's this just like most beautiful figure bathed in, in pink and crazy lighting and everything. It is one of the wilder things. I think anyone um, who's uh, participated or seen things in Q Fest has ever seen, but it's also uh, a landmark film um, in exploring sexuality on screen and experimental film. It's, um, it's, It is a great inclusion because of its, you know, 50th anniversary um, because Cinema St. Louis also has Golden Anniversaries series um, that we do. But um, it's a really wild movie. And I should say that the director- um, Anonymous. (laughs) Yeah, well, for years and years, uh, the story was that maybe it was Kenneth Anger, the great um, experimental filmmaker who made, uh, Puce Moment and uh, uh, Scorpio Rising, um, because they have a similar dreamy aesthetic to them. Um, people thought maybe it was Andy Warhol, but eventually it came out that James Biggood was uh, was the director of it, and he had made it over something like eight years um, when it was eventually released in 1971. But he's actually interviewed in another film that we're showing called P.S. Uh, burn this letter, please, about um, the drag scene during the same time he was making Pink Narcissist. Um, one of the producers of the film who I got to talk to the other day, and most of our programs are gonna have uh, interviews, some kind of supplemental material with them. Um, this one in particular, the, the producer found in storage these letters and began reading them, and he's a gay man, and recognized in these letters um that that they were gay men talking about gay culture, some of the words they were using were familiar, some of the <clears throat> ideas that they were talking about were familiar the coded um, so they, the coded language that they were the, using the coded language and some of the and we talked about this the other day, some of the same language that um, we still use in gay culture, and that uh, that it's still being used in drag culture. One of the directors of the film, uh, Michael Seligman is a producer on RuPaul's Drag Race. So, okay, um, people who are familiar with that will will know that there. But it's a really cool film that goes through these letters and talks about drag culture, early you know mid century drag culture in uh, New York City. And they they had to get a private investigator to find some of these people. And it's just a really cool to hear some of these stories and just the wild times that they had. But also, you know, our queer history is through these people. So it's, it's a really good journey there.
1: Well, you can go to Cinema St. Louis slash Q Fest, as in Q, the letter Q, Fest, as in festival, and get your Q on. It's virtual, you can buy passes and it tells you everything there that you need to know, St. slash
0: QFest. What I noticed is uh, there's quite a few women uh, directors involved this year or am I mistaken about that?
2: No, you're right. I think this is probably one of the most diverse lineups we've had as far as um, gender, race, orientation. Um, one of the filmmakers that, people might be familiar with um, is Aniska Holland, who made Europa, Europa, yeah. um, which was not, did it win the best foreign language Oscar? I think it might have. yes Yeah. In the eighties. And um, she's made many films over the past few decades. Um, her new film called Charlatan is about an, a, a doc, an herbal doctor in um, uh, in Europe during <clears throat> before and during world war ii and certainly after world war ii and his fight to um to maintain his integrity as an herbal doctor who if you look at the poster what's
1: an herbal doctor
2: so so this man or weird yeah you could say that so if you look at the poster or some of the images that we have posted you will notice this man looking through um, a glass of a yellow lens. liquid.
1: Oh, is it what I think it is?
2: It, it's pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just pee. So this guy, and it's fascinating to watch, and it's based on a true story. Um, this doctor would examine um pee samples of people mm-hmm. and be able to tell their ailments. Through the pea samples. Yeah,
1: the name but, of the film is Charlatan.
2: So, right, Charlatan. So, that's the whole question of it, right? Is this man full of crap, or was he really helping these thousands of people that would come and see him? And then, of course, <clears throat> what ends up happening is he gets persecuted by, um, uh, the communist regime and ends up going to trial. And that's not much of a spoiler because the film's kind of told elliptically. And it's it's a really interesting film. And you might be asking, well, why why is it, you know, in QFest? He was he was also a, a married man who was in a relationship with his second hand, a man for many, many years. Um who ends up and the going Nazis to trial. did not care for that. No. Um, they did not, no. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think their major concern uh was the business he was up to. And, and so there are a lot of layers there, and it's a really interesting film. At first, I thought I was gonna see just another like biopic, um, just your average thing. And then the guy just starts looking through jars of piss, and I'm like, all right, here we go. That let's, let's do this. <laughs> um, um, and it's a it's a gorgeous looking movie too. Well,
0: um, my film reviewer, Alex McPherson, on my website, poplifestl.com, he has reviewed three of the films that are going to be at QFest: Tahara, The Corniverse, Cornivores, which is rather bizarre, and Summer of 85. So if you're curious about those films, he has them posted on my website. And I do plan to see Charlatan because it looks really good.
1: The one I'm curious about is Little Girl. Where this well, eight eight year old? Oh, go ahead. You said you you know what it's about. You've oh seen, no no no! no. I,
2: I was just gonna say that um, Charlatan was actually the. Um, I keep forgetting the country of origin. Let me just. This that's thing okay. Up. It's <laughs> the Czech Republic. The right. Czech Republic. It was the Czech submission. You were gonna for, say
1: Czechoslovakia, but it's not Czechoslovakia.
2: Yeah, I was anymore. like,
1: um, that's what. What country is it now?
2: <laughs> um, but it was their submission for the four language Oscar this year. Um, let me say little girl is some um, pro I'm not going to play favorites, but it's your this favorite. favorite. This one's my favorite. It is a documentary um, about an eight year old girl um, who is. Um, well, she, she's not sure yet. She. Well, she, <laughs> well she, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, as they say, biologically male, uh, but this little girl um it's about her journey um finding her gender and really about the parents and the questions that they have about this and some of the the just raw emotion that you go through just trying to raise a child and raise a child who knows who they are this thing is one of the most heartbreaking movies i've seen in a long time it's a documentary that's a adopts the style of a lot of narrative filmmaking similar to um uh gunda from last year um it's like a very gorgeous and aesthetically interesting movie well um, it's, a, it's it's
1: not people would be curious if this is an american story it's not it's a french story right so these things are not just happening in the united states expand your world people they're having these issues in france and in europe as well you know the enlightened people of europe are having the same issues that we are having over here.
2: Yeah. It's almost as if like people are so ingrained in, in gender and gender identity all over the world that people have to struggle with this stuff. It's really just insane. But it, if that's a good point that you bring up, Carl, especially right now, what's happening is that, you know, uh, most States in the United States have some sort of legislation against trans kids participating in sports right now. And this is a lot of what this, little girl goes through, uh, in trying to navigate school, something that, you know, the three of us surely took for granted. Um, even though, you know, we all have our own struggles and everything in there, but just going into a classroom and whether or not, you know, someone's going to, you know, call you by the wrong name or like be abusive to you or be violent to you, like living in that fear. And it's, it's really palpable. And it's a, I think a movie that a lot of people are going to be talking about this year.
0: Good. Well, that's wonderful. Cause I think the more understanding you have on the topics, the better it is. And that's in any, any field. And uh, I think your lineup is really impressive this year and I'm glad you're forging through. Year 14.
2: Yeah. Year 14. So exciting. And, you know, hopefully next year we're in person, but Still, it's such a great lineup. There are so many interesting films in here. And again, just to reiterate, we have the really cool shorts programs. We've done them free the past few years. They're free again. So if you just want to even check those out and get a sampling of what we do at QFest, feel free to go to the website and get yourself some free tickets.
1: Well, see, that we're, we're ending that talk on a positive note. And now we're going to bring <laughs> everyone down about talking about movies that aren't very good. No. <laughs> so, Lynn, would you would ladies first. You can talk about Lord of the Flies in space. I mean Voyagers.
0: Okay. Well, we, <laughs> uh, that's basically what it is. Uh it is a noble effort undone by just terrible clichés and bad dialogue and I feel for the people involved because they try really hard. It's got a good cast. Yes, Ty I, Sheridan. I like Ty
1: Sheridan. I like Lily Rose Depp. And Alan this fiona Hit or miss.
0: Yeah, Fion Whitehead. You might remember him as Tommy in Dunkirk. Yeah. But I had issues with Dunkirk where they I, mostly. I was
1: not a fan of Dunkirk. I, I thought it was overhyped and overrated.
0: Right. Well, because the they mostly all looked alike, except you could tell who Harry Styles was because he had the pretty Yeah, but you didn't stuff.
1: they didn't they it was a swing and a miss for me because I did not understand that there were three timelines going on. That was not made clear that one was oh one was three weeks, one was three days, and one was three hours. If I would have understood that more at the beginning, you shouldn't have to watch
0: a movie twice to get it. Right. That's my whole thing too. Well, this Fionn Whitehead, if you go back and watch, because I did after seeing Voyagers, I went back and I watched the trailer for Dunkirk and he's all over the trailer. And I'm like, I don't remember him. Well, yeah, but, but you weren't he, supposed
1: to remember those people. You In the three week story, you weren't supposed to remember those. You were supposed to remember the
0: people in the three hours and the three days. Okay. So he has potential, but this is what happens. Colin Farrell is this scientist And they have raised these test tube kids to not know the joys of earth, to not know what it's like to play outside and have open spaces and everything. They are in a confined environment because they're going to save the earth or save humanity because we're ditching earth because we've ruined earth because of all the climate issues, drought and disease and everything. So is
1: is that said or are you implying that?
0: No, it, it's set right in the beginning. It tells you that- uh, Here's our message and here's why you people suck. Right, and so these these 30 children bred for intelligence and obedience are going to take off for a distant planet that's gonna take 86 years to reach. And so the, the premise is that their offspring will be the ones that will populate this planet. So, so hold on, if there are
1: like only, it, if, if there are 30 of them, is it 15 boys and 15 girls and they're all supposed to match up? You, you can't
0: really tell. I, okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You can't really tell who science, they all are science, because
1: science. Science. this
0: is this, this yeah, is all the support, the supporting people. So Colin Farrell is their mentor and he decides, oh, I got to go on this voyage with them because they're just going to it. it, it I'm, I'm going to need to help them. So he they embark, and it's one of those. You know how, like in previous space movies, they're all in pods sleeping. You like know, aliens. From, yeah, no, no. This one, they're all functioning. They leave when they're like ten years old, so we pick up when they're twenty somethings. So surprise, surprise, the boys uh, determine that this blue liquid that they've been drinking every day is bad. And when they find out it controls them, they're like, well, we don't want any of that. Why can't we do what we want? (laughs) Yeah. So they're at a stage where they haven't experienced these hormonal urges. So it becomes a free for all. And the girls are terrified. And uh, the lust, besides lust, we have the lust for power. And so... Fiona Whitehead's character Zach becomes this monster. I mean, it's this quick turnaround, and he decides that Ty Sheridan, who's the natural leader, is no. We have to fight him because he wants to keep everything in line. Uh, and why he's Cyclops?
1: Should we- he is yeah. the born leader.
0: Yeah, and so. They have that issue, so then they're they're like uh, it's it's really weird in terms of like you know how like Red Dawn you had all the little kids with guns. Yeah. so they're on this spaceship which is confined and it's all gleaming white hall hall, corridors and then they're all looking like gap kids because they have black t-shirts and black pants on and so you have the three main characters and then you have a couple supporting characters that have something to do but then the rest of them all kind of stand around like yeah okay whatever and and it's Written and directed by Neil Berger, who did Limitless. He did, li-
1: so, but he also did The Illusionist, and he did The Upside. He did The Upside a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, and which p- people really hated. But and he also yeah, did how The Mighty virgin. Have Fallen. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: but he did The Virgin. You?
1: So he's he's used to working with kids in dystopian
2: worlds. So it sounds like a mix of High Life, um, Midnight Sky, and uh, Lord of the Flies. Uh, and the last time I was on here, we talked about how bad Midnight Sky was. Yep is Is it better than that? No, no. That's that's Lynn whispering
0: the words. No, everyone. no, no. And I'm I feel bad for the kids because it had a good premise. Okay, And yeah, but and we
1: also we also know in real life the story that came out in Oceana that. Kids do not revert to Lord of the Flies worlds. They they're actually helpful and take care of each other. If you watch 60 minutes last week, they showed the real life story. What happens when a group of kids, boys got stuck on an island somewhere, they survived and they did. They thrived until they were rescued. Lord of the Flies is just
0: a story about everything that would go wrong in real life. It doesn't work that way. Well, this is also co-ed. Well, uh, Colin Farrell has an unfortunate accident. So that's why oh, they have so to take no over. So there's no adult
1: there to take rain Running,
0: a running thing. So he disappears like really quick. And and so there therefore that, but then you know how it's going to end. And then they have this montage. I'm not spoiling anything because they got 76 more years to go. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a montage of everything that happens in the next 76 years just like that, like a couple minutes of like, this is what happens. So people are reproducing blah, 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 and they get to the new planet, and they're, so I'm not ruining anything, but they complicate this plot with Zach telling everybody there's an alien on board. Okay. So they think there's an alien. So So now they're paranoid. Yeah. Right. And then and then Colin Farrell was the link to the old world. And Lily Rose Depp's character has had a, a closer relationship to him than a, like a father-daughter relationship. So she knows of what the world used to be like through him and his images. So, man, you know, it's just forgettable. I gave it a C, Kent gave it a C and uh ray hartman said i was charitable because it sounded like pretty it is available in theaters only right now i'm sure we'll have an on-demand date fairly soon oh let's hope so yeah but i just feel the kids do whatever i mean you know they try and, and those three kids are going to have careers. Now, Lily Rose Depp is just starting out. She's in also that movie Crisis, mm-hmm. about the opioid crisis. Yes, she is. And that so was also she, not very good. No, she hasn't had her breakthrough yet. I don't know if she will. But she plays the primat- the pragmatic girl in this. She's probably the most sympathetic character. So we shall see.
1: Well, I asked for a copy of this on Friday, and I was told, I, I, let's how can I put it um, nicely? I was told, I'm sorry, the cutoff has already happened. You're actually better off not seeing it.
0: Well, um, they, uh, the. Um, and that
1: was from someone at the movie company.
0: <laughs> well, we were told that they weren't promoting it. Let's put it like that.
1: Well, let's move on to something that I was actually pleasantly surprised about. I was dreading and I wasn't going to do it. I watched it this morning. I wasn't going to see Thunder Force because super intelligence turned me off so bad to the Ben Falcone, Melissa McCarthy oeuvre because it was awful. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this to myself. And then I said, oh, oh, wait, this is on Netflix. I can watch it at one and a half times speed so it could be on in the background and if it really sucks i'll turn it off because our buddy dan dan buffa he turned it off 20 minutes into it and at 20 minutes into it i was still okay with it at 20 minutes into it i was fine with it it i know they're going there's a lot of s bombs not it would be if it was released in theaters it'd be a pg-13 no no f bomb which i was and not a lot of sex talk, but a lot of S bombs. But this would be PG 13. I was surprised. This would make a really good kid movie. If they had just cleaned it up a little bit, it would have been a good teen tween comedy. Because I don't know if that's what they're going for. I don't know if that's what Bell would only be good for. <laughs> we have we have discussed their pairing.
0: A lot. Well, Tammy was horrible. Yeah. This practically is practically watchable. The boss is awful I've as well. Pass this up. Life of the party was like my least favorite movie in that was 2018. In my worst,
1: that was in my worst, I'm sorry, least yeah. favorite that year. And and I just talked about super intelligence. Thunder this, I the bar was so low going into this for me. I said this, I knew it was going to be horrible. And I have admitted that I have watched it sped up on Netflix, which you can do if you watch it on a computer. Not if you're watching it on your smart TV, but if you're watching on a computer, you can watch it sped up. And I admit that I did that. And I didn't hate it. I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it.
0: Well, let's, that talk about, to. let's talk about the premise because I watched the whole thing and normal in, time in, in, whatever in,
1: in one hour and 48 minutes worth i got to watch it in less than an hour and a half and i win
0: all right so thunder force is two middle-aged uh women
1: now that pissed me off because they're both in there they're both 50 now um I, because most mccarthy is my age and Octavia Spencer. She is also they were roommates. They're they're both fifty year old women and they age them down. They should have been graduated in nineteen eighty-eight. They've made them graduate high school in uh nineteen ninety-four. So they're aging them down six years, which was unnecessary. And it doesn't make it doesn't also make sense of the music choices that they like. They make choices, they make music choices of fifty year old women, not of forty four year old women.
0: I know. So the beginning, let's start this out. This is a world, Joshua, where uh, we have superheroes and we have villains and it is. No, a- no,
1: we don't have villains. We only have super villains. We don't have any villains until I mean, we don't have any heroes until they create them 20 years later. Some some something in the world happened and made everyone with borderline personalities and uh, mental issues have superpowers so they're everyone called, that has a superpower is a mentally disturbed person
0: well we, they're called miscreants so this is a world in chicago where miscreants cause havoc oh
1: yeah by the and way it, it only takes place in chicago no one else they don't mention the rest of the world in this this is a chicago problem
0: yeah and you can That's tell always
2: a chicago problem
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, you sorry. can tell miscreants well, no. in
1: chicago yes yeah.
0: You can tell the extras are so, uh, you know, they're forced to cheer on command. It's really, it's really cheesy. This is a very cheesy film, but the beginning where it sets up the friendship, Melissa McCarthy always plays these uncouth females. Yeah. And, and, uh, the younger
1: uh, version of her, that's her daughter. And oh, that's great! The the scene was she's, she's, she's good. She's good. I could have watched
0: Melissa daughter. I could have watched more the the whole tween thing, like you said, Carl, as a whole movie because she's hilarious in the grade school because she just beats to her own drummer, and so Octavia Spencer is a brain. And they call her a nerd. And she's like, I'm not a nerd. I'm just smart. That is a running theme, this. But her parents were but killed. But by... that's what
1: passes as a joke, by the way.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. So her parents were killed by miscreants. So she is determined that her life's work because they were now, on, Lynn.
1: Is that what you got out of it? Because I, was, I thought that the parents were killed uh, from the force that attacked the earth that created the miscreants. But I don't know if that matters. No, because they were working. That was their life work. They oh, were they were trying. They were trying to make superheroes. Why wouldn't they just right. try to cure the people that that got the powers and make them not evil? I don't know. That, uh,
0: so uh, Octavia know. Spencer has just works all the time, and but she has found time to have a child, and that kid's really good in the movie. She and, is good. Uh, I, I want to yeah. see more of her. Yeah, yeah. And so Taylor Mosby. She, she um uh creates her superpower is that she can be invisible but well and she it, was gonna she was gonna
1: be herself was going to be invisible and have super strength
0: but, but melissa McCarthy. wackiness
1: ensues
0: yeah and, and so they get divided they have up. had an estrange. they have had an estrangement and so melissa mccarthy invites her to the school reunion She doesn't go, but Melissa McCarthy comes over to her big, huge, fancy building and asks her, and then she accidentally gets involved in this. She gets the super strength. There are really stupid parts of this film, really stupid. And the grossest part is the eating the raw chicken, which I don't know.
1: They could have made, as I said, if this would have been a kid's movie and they would have made it a little more disgusting, teenagers would have eaten that up so to speak, but
0: <laughs> But but I like the thing of a certain Asian, and a certain size, like they have this, they have this trick uh, 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 of Lamborghini. Lamborghini and they have a real hard time getting out of it, so I thought that was funny well,
1: no, they because, have a hard time getting in and out of it and so right. you don't know if and it's suits. their suits or if it's yeah. too low to the ground or if it's anything, but that, in super intelligence her boyfriend was uh, Barbie kind of out and he is in this movie as well. And Octavia Spencer has been in Melissa McCarthy movies also. In fact, they were roommates. So they've known each other for a long, they, like when they were both starting out, like as she was on Gilmore Girls, they were like, they lived together. So they've known each other for a long time. But then you also have Jason Bateman in this one, her star from Tammy.
0: Well, also identity theft.
1: Oh, Our identity, that, 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 that identity stuff. sorry yeah I, so i'm getting Jay- the
0: shitty movies me- messed up jason bateman is just slumming it he's just having fun he's he is plays- he has a great he he is
1: having fun he did it when he does a side shuffle that is hilarious because he because has crab
0: arms he has crab arms he's and he miscried. was yes And so it's hilarious. Now, Bobby Cannaval's character is a super villain. And to me, he reminded me of a cartoon, so cartoonish. He was like out of Batman Returns or even Dick Tracy. That's how evil he is. Yeah, but also how cartoonish it is. Right. And so but there are just random things thrown in, slapped together for laughs. Like they start singing Glen Fry songs. Where did that And come then they from? abandon it. Yes. Well, no, first they sing Smuggler's Blues, then they
1: do You Belong to the City, and then it's over. Then they then they start playing then they start playing Seal. If they would have played another Glenn Fry song, I'm like why why are they doing SEAL? With they said they wanted to do Glenn Frey. They could have done another Glenn Frey, or right? The heat, the, the, the heat is on.
0: The heat is on would have been super uh, relevant to a, a you know a battle, epic Royale. So it just gets to. I think M- Melissa McCarthy has played this character so often it's that it's the same it
1: character. Just, she didn't spy.
0: Right. It just gets a little tedious. Well, it it, it's
1: not the not, that character was actually smart. That one, that one, it's fish out of water, kind of like in like what they did. Uh, the, what was the stupid college movie? Mom of the house or life Oh Life of the Party? Whatever, garbage. It was horrible. But you know they do have some superhero cred because they have Palm Clementif from Guardians of the Galaxy. She actually. Has been in superhero movies, and she knows how to do them, and she makes a really good villain.
0: Yeah, I she, like play, her. she plays Laser. Yeah, that's why I was just—I was just looking up her name because I knew I didn't know it from there. But it's so Man- it has- she's Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and she was so good in that.
1: Yeah, and the, then Melissa Leo is—you—you you know what's—you know her character the second you
0: see her, and you know just everything's going to happen just wasted and um, yeah oscar winner melissa leo is in this (laughs) so i just i don't know it's the tone is all over the place kevin dunn has a nice little bit as a diner owner it's very chicago in terms of like they filmed it there so they obviously love it melissa mccarthy grew up in kankakee and ben falcone grew up in carbondale and they obviously have great affection for chicago So there is a good
1: movie hidden in this movie somewhere, but it's not what they put on Netflix. So I would suggest if you want to watch this movie on Netflix, um, watch it at a faster speed because it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't horrible to me. And I and I knew this. I I was just waiting. Oh, we're going to rip this movie apart. It wasn't as horrible as I thought it was going to be.
2: I that's agree. The, it sounds that's like the these best. two, these two, just high concept themselves out of being funny whenever they get together. Like, so, where do you guys think it ranks in the Falcon McCarthy uh, canon? It sounds like it's pretty high, yeah, considering of all
0: the. Yeah, I
2: think that's the a good five, point.
1: Of the five, it's it's in the it's in the upper tier. It's not it's not middling Falcon McCarthy. It's 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 in the high of the five. It's probably I I give it, but but what would what would be the best one of them?
2: <laughs> From the way you describe all of them together, I don't think that you could rank them. <laughs> right, they're unrankable. Which one
1: sucks the least? But
2: right, you know what? Okay, right,
1: right, this right. I read on Vulture, which was very funny. This you know, Netflix gave Adam Sandler a whole bunch of money, and ha- they have made some good movies, which I have liked. But basically, Adam Sandler gets all of his friends together and they go on vacation and they make a movie around it. This is what they're do- Netflix has now done for two movies with Falcone and McCarthy. They're getting their friends together and they're making a movie. And maybe the Sandler thing will work for them because there have been Sandler movies that, or Sandler has produced that on Netflix that are watchable and i i still like murder mystery from a couple years ago with him and jennifer aniston i thought that was better than it needed to be so maybe this maybe mccarthy and falcon can maybe they can do something like that
0: well the low bar has been set so (laughs) i do think people will uh think of it as mindless fun i think we're overthinking it they didn't yeah maybe they maybe
2: they did it sounds like they
0: did, <laughs> I don't yeah it's it's just some some really goofy stuff when when Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy are in the restaurant, and the appetizer is this seafood tower with all this crab, and he goes berserk that's just yeah, but
1: then and then she's gonna she puts butter on him and it's... old bay seasoning now see, I thought that was kind of funny he he is probably the best part of the movie.
0: Yeah, and, and you can just tell he's no, just No, the, the not, girl, the, the young girl is- Yeah, the, the young girl. You can just tell he's just just going with fun. it, just having fun, just totally a palate cleanser after Ozark, so.
1: You yeah. remember, he, he was a comedic actor.
0: Well, if you watch after Jessica Walter died and they were showing so many clips from Arrested Development, he is the straight man in that. And he is so good at being the straight man around all those crazy people. Yeah, he's good at it. Yeah, he's very good. He was he was a guest when I saw Letterman in person. And he was just charming and delightful in person. And he's married to Paul Anka's daughter. And many people will be going, who's Paul Anka? Puppy love. Yeah. Is that right? Is that right? No, 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 no. It's um. Oh God, what did he do? He did that Diana song, didn't he? Do the theme from the? Didn't he write the words to the theme song from the Tonight Show?
1: I, don't know. Um,
0: I think you might be right
1: about that. Yeah, I thought he sang Puppy Love. Who sang Puppy Love? Um, I
0: thought that was Pat Boone.
1: Aren't they all the, eh, the
0: same? Well, they're all. You know that whole that whole fifties uh pretty boy ilk. The Fabian, Paul Anka.
1: It was Paul Anka. I was right. Puppy Love, 1960, oh. number two. Woo. Okay, well, good. And then Donny Osmond made a made a remake. Oh,
0: of it. that's why I'm so confused. Okay, yeah. All right. I knew, well, it. I s- knew it. Well, speaking All right. of... Uh, uh, All right, I'm done. I have nothing else. Yeah. So I, I well, got my win for the day. Okay, speaking of times those kind of times we have the mystery thriller horror film called held it is by the directors that did the gallows which was a surprise indie horror movie in 19 in uh, 2015 okay so i didn't see it okay so (laughs) So how do you talk about it well i'm going to talk about held okay Uh, oh you didn't see the gallows um, you saw you saw held yeah, okay. I, I saw Held, which is out in theaters and on demand as of yesterday. It's a, it's actually playing at the Edge in Belleville. Okay, so it has it has um, good concept, and then it has this weird twist in the middle. I mean, I was with it, and then it goes into uh, so this couple they've been married nine years, they're having rough patch, and they decide to have an anniversary trip to this. Oh my God, it's so gorgeous. It's, uh, you know, like the rental, they, you know, do a vacation rental by, um, you know, owner Airbnb. So this is this really cool modern house in the middle of nowhere. And I found out it was a home in Clovis, California, which is near Fresno. And my sister and brother, uh, my sister and brother-in-law lived there in Clovis. So anyway, it's a smart home. So it has all this nifty bells and whistles technology. And then it uh, has a security system integrated. Well, so the wife gets there and the wife, Jill Aubrey, wrote this movie. She isn't, I would say, the best actress for this role, but she does okay. And then her husband, Henry, is played by brad johnson who was the bart bart johnson Johnson, i'm sorry bart johnson who was the coach in the high school musicals
1: yes who he played zach efron's dad
0: so they're there having some wine they get a little woozy they go to bed and she has having this weird dream that she thinks there's an intruder in the house And she wakes up the next day in a different nightgown. Huh. And there are two cups of coffee and a rose and a note on the end table. And they're all like freaking out. And then all of a sudden, uh, they decide, oh, my God, we had an intruder. Their closets have been taken over with retro clothes. And then they start getting instructions from this voice that is making them do things like they're back in the 50s. So that WandaVision uh, 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 ideal of the beginning when it's the Dick Van Dyke show kitchen. Yeah. So, so they're barking orders to this couple like, you know, he has to open the door for her and she has to make dinner for her man. And it's like, we're back in the 50s. And so it turns into Stepford Wives. Little demon seed there. It's a home invasion thriller. And wait, wait. So, how, is
1: it, how is it a home invasion film if they're trapped
0: there? Yeah, well, they've got this intruder. But the intruder is the home itself. No, there's a guy. Oh, there's okay. A guy. <laughs> this guy, this guy is a mask intruder. With these ominous, ominous boots. You just see his boots. Then you see a flash of his black mask face. And so uh, they're totally freaking out. Things are happening. And it escalates. (sighs) And then they have some logic goes out the window. And they have this really horrible twist. Then there's another horrible twist. Oh, more than one twist yeah and then it just sort of gets ridiculous, but it starts off good,
1: okay I will not see it. Yeah.
0: that's what I have to say about it
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you you've sold me on it. I'm not going to see it. I'd rather watch a high school musical again. you know what i've never i've I've seen all the high school musicals, but I've never, and I haven't watched the series because I hear that's a lot of drama, but I only saw high school musical three once and that was in the theater. And that's the only one with the song high school musical in it. So I should probably read. I gotta it.
2: tell you, I think I'd much rather watch held than watch, <laughs> than watch high, high school,
1: school musical.
2: musical. Yeah, Yeah. All right. Maybe I'm just past. I'm just past all my high school musical era, and something like held sounds kind of interesting <laughs> to me. Well, I mean, it's finding it hard to keep up with all of these on-demand releases and like where everything is. But
0: yes, yeah, like I, I've never,
2: I've never heard of this.
0: Well, well, this just... is from Magnolia slash Magnet, and you know when oh, it no, has we'll the, it at magnet, the, end of the year. You know when it has magnet on it that it's going to be kind of out there. Kind yeah,
2: that's freaky. their kind of like horror or you know more outre like uh uh label of Mac of Magnolia, which is already, you know, like an indie brand. But, right.
0: Yeah, well, those yeah. don't
2: tend to get a very big uh, notice or very big release.
0: Right. Well, already, it was in, it was in my email. And at the time, we didn't have much for last week, if you recall. No,
1: um, I the movies I've seen all come out next week. I, I saw Bromance and what else is coming out next week? I've already seen it. And so, well, the
0: Truffle Hunters is finally coming to St. Louis. So now we can review it.
1: And there was a. And I watched something. Oh, <laughs> Ruby Rose and Morgan Freeman i saw oh, vanquish that. that comes out that comes out next week oh oh oh, oh that's good but this so is a time
0: of year about. where we're we're just not and then ifc put out moffy which i did get the link yesterday and i i haven't had time to watch it but that
2: is a bafta nominee huh yeah the bafta nominees are pretty wild this year huh
0: Yeah. And that's this, this week, this weekend. So, but this is about apartheid in 1981 and it's about this soldier who's trying to hide his homosexuality and Moffy is about that. Yeah. And the guy's nominated for, for actors. So I'm looking forward to it because it's gotten a very high rating, but anyway, I must've totally missed this email from IFC so I went back and I requested it so I'm late to it
1: all right
2: before yeah, we Monty's wrap up one that came across our radar for QFest but again like the, the release timing just didn't work so I never got to see it but I'm excited to see it of course
1: before we wrap up let's talk about a local St. Louis landmark uh, that I didn't realize was for sale and it is it's the Tivoli in University City um the old classic theater that now has three theaters in it. Uh, Joe Edwards, who I didn't know owned the Tivoli. Uh, he sold it to a church. Lynn, you uh, you you, you t- broke this story on Facebook after Channel 4 kind of mentioned it in passing.
0: Yeah, election night, Channel 4 had a segment. And I was like, what? One family church, the pastor... Uh, Mr. Rome, is it Brad Rome? That's probably where I got the Brad from. Rome, R-O-A-M. The Tivoli, uh, Joe Edwards had been leasing it to Landmark Theaters, and Landmark reopened Plaza Frontenac, but hadn't reopened the Tivoli, and we were all wondering what was going on. Well, this church has been leasing the Tivoli for Sunday worship, and I think they have a Wednesday uh, yeah, but service. they've been doing that
1: for a while. Even before, I think, before the pandemic, they were using it.
0: Right, like 2016, they've been using this on Sunday mornings. Well, now it's going to be a house of worship. But he knows the history involved in the Tivoli, and he says he wants to start showing movies there as early as this fall. He wants to have cheap concessions. He wants. He uh, made the statement exciting and socially relevant films. So I don't know what that means in terms of a church, church's values.
1: Does that mean it's not going to have to pay taxes because it is now a church?
0: It's It's a house of worship. So I don't know, but I think we all freaked out because we as critics are so used to going there for art house movies and also St. Louis international film festival and uh, other things and uh if a edgy art house movie came to town that's where we went for the screening joshua since you're involved in cinema st louis
2: writing for the lens do you know anything uh well you know i won't speak directly for them they did put out a press release um that they were in talks with one family church about continuing to do programs uh, with SLIF and potentially other festivals, Um, like, you know, q and Golden anniversaries and things like that, even though that's at the Downtown Library. But, um, you know, certainly not speaking for Cinema St. Louis, the news is concerning. Um, I had someone sent me what you had posted, uh, Lynn, uh, and I saw it, you know, during one of my beautiful bouts of insomnia. And of course, immediately started <laughs> researching One Family Church and like thinking about what sort of programming they might do, what kind of lens they're viewing film from. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't. there's nothing specific there. So immediately in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm thinking about some of the films that I've seen at the Tivoli uh, that were very special to me that are films that I'm concerned I would never see. Um, You know, things like Pedro Moldovar's work, like seeing Bad Education there was... uh, (laughs) And and a film that has expressly like anti-Catholic, even though they're not a... They're a non-denominational church um, from what I learned. But uh, something like that, you know, is that the spot for it? Or is all we have left, you know, as far as First run, um, you know, our only hopes are Plaza Front neck which is you know a fine theater. It's it's for me, it's not the Tivoli. Tivoli's always been so special, so St. Louis,
1: high so point. beautiful.
2: The high point is also like another landmark for us. But they have one screen, they, and then they have the back lot, um, and they tend to, even though during you know the pandemic and during right now, they've been screening a lot more independent work, they tend towards the mainstream. Right now, you know, um, um, I do a lot with, I work full-time for Webster University, uh, but I'm not affiliated with the film series, but the Webster film series is is the thing to see first run independent uh, foreign uh, documentary films right now. Some of the great work of the past couple of years has been in their virtual cinema. But these are also things that might've made it to the big screen at the Tivoli. So I, you know, it is, it is definitely concerning um, as far as content, but you know, the gentleman and I forget his name, but he-, he The pastor. seems to The pastor um, seems to be of an independent mind. They're a non-denominational church. They seem to have progressive values. Um, he himself was an actor. Yes, musician. our buddy Tom
1: Stockman, our our buddy Tom Stockman, brought that point out. He's like, you know, this guy has been in independent films himself.
0: He but, you was know, in that only takes you so far. He was in Toolbox Murders by Tobe Hooper. Oh, Toby Hooper,
2: cool. Yeah, that's
0: also not
2: a But I would say that doesn't say anything well, though. Yeah, James Woods is in independent <laughs> film all the time. You know, it's not. It's you know, and I'm not going to compare him to him. I don't know this man, but um, you know, he was also a musician who uh, toured with the Watson Twins, a band, country band that I kind of like. Um, but uh, so there's Annie, you're
0: keeping an open mind. His name I'm is Brent. Right, yeah. yeah, his name is Brent Rome. Okay. Well, uh, many people freaked out on my Facebook post, including Joe Williams's mother, Marie. And that sparked oh, that. Our we, plaques? The plaques? We have, our, we have our Joe plaques. We have the honor. Joe, of would Joe hate Williams his
1: plaques in a church. And
0: Joe Pollock. So uh, Jim Tudor contacted Brent Rome and they will give them back to us. Yeah. so
1: Jim, Joe Williams would hate that his, his plaque is in
0: a church so joe Pollock wouldn't be real happy about it either so well, so no. so anyway they're going to give them back to us hopefully we'll get
2: them and we'll have to have a new home for them hmm. Hmm. well um you know i don't know if you two have any scoops on a draft house no um,
1: well no did they know, for it, bankruptcy didn't they
2: Right, whole, well, yeah, the, yeah, it was a few locations, I think, but um, I as far as I knew, it was built, it was almost done, like, and we're just it was gonna it's open in the last foundry, year. yeah, it's, it's in, in there, the, yeah, and the foundry's just sitting there,
0: yeah, and so the foundry's supposed to open this fall, but uh, Alamo Draft House did close the one in Kansas
2: City, mm. yeah, okay, well, it's not looking too great out there, but. I think, you know, I think what's going to happen is it, it will the business will continue to be uh specialized in that you're going to see segmentation uh even further into larger budget things at the multiplex and then people, God bless them, like Pete Timmerman programming really wonderful things at Webster Film Series and and you know the owners of the high point doing a mix of those things. I, I, I'm optimistic, um, but it, uh, it is concerning that the Tivoli is, is, will not be what it, it used to be, I'll say.
1: We know people that have been married
0: at the Tivoli. Right, time will tell. Time will tell, yeah. but some of, some of my favorite so there was a moments. house of worship before then, I guess, too. <laughs> uh, some of my, um. okay, so before. They renovated it because Joe Edwards took it over and they opened, reopened it in 1994. It used to be this art house before VCRs and DVDs and all that. They would program, uh, what would, what did they used to call that when they would have old movies on double, you know, sometimes double feature, and and it was a Renaissance second, theaters, yeah, like, was like there, they have
1: in New York. They still have them in New York City.
0: Right. So they are playing all these old movies. Well, this movie came out called 1900 with Robert De Niro and Burt Lancaster and it's four hours long. So in 1977, I want to say this, I went there on a Memorial Day weekend (laughs) to see this movie with my friend and they came out in the beginning and announced that the air conditioning had broken. And so... If we wanted to sit through this four-hour movie in a hot theater, we could. No refunds. So we did. We did it. Wow. Yeah, I know. uh, And then the
1: bathrooms are broken and our soda machine's broken, too.
0: And uh, that was when it was really pretty divey, I would say. But some of my favorite movies, like you said, I mean, Fargo, seeing Fargo there, seeing uh, a really great Uh, documentaries, being part of Slip on opening night, getting to interview directors. Oliver Stone was there. I got to sit next to... Will Forte. Was
1: it Will Forte? Yeah, it was. Yeah, for Nebraska. His wife just had a baby. I'm sorry, his partner. They're not married yet. His fiance had a baby.
0: And uh, Oliver Stone was there for on November 22nd for the anniversary showing of JFK and Joe Williams interviewed him on the stage. And so there's been just great moments at the Tivoli over the years. I think- uh, I saw Blair Witch
1: there the first time.
0: Before he was ostracized, Kevin Spacey came out right after the showing of Casino Jack, which was George Hickenlooper's movie. And George Hickenlooper had died- and was supposed to be at the festival and so all of a sudden the curtain opens and it's Kevin Spacey and everybody went crazy because that was when he was you know well thought of before everyone yeah. knew yes Oscar winning drug. but I will say the Tivoli's got such a history and all those posters, all those movies that were made in St. Louis. Speaking of, before we uh, end it, uh, there is an Oscar-nominated short called A Love Song for Latasha" that everybody can watch on Netflix. And this category, uh, documentary shorts, is really crammed with good work this year. But I would say this is the front runner. And after uh, the nominations came out, Netflix had like a thousand percent increase to watch this film. It's only 12 minutes and Latasha was born and spent the first five years of her life in East St. Louis. So how about that connection, which we didn't know. So anyway, right now is a time where if you want to watch the shorts, the animation, the live action they are available at Plaza Frontenac the Tivoli used to show them remember and then that's how you always if if you um do the Oscar pool Oscar night if you do a ballot those those are the ones that get you those are the ballot busters every time so if you want to see them and then a lot of them actually you can find online so I wanted to bring that up. And uh, on opening day, the Cardinals had two films. Ozzie Smith narrated a tribute to Bob Gibson and Lou Brock. And then David Freeze narrated what it's like opening day for a St. Louis kid. And those are both on the St. Louis Cardinals YouTube channel. Very nice little short films that they made. And that was part of the whole pregame thing. But you can find it on Fox Sports Midwest No, or, because
1: it's yeah. not Fox Sports Midwest anymore. It's Bally Bally Sports Midwest. Right.
0: So, it Bally now, but Sports the, Mid- but
1: Fox Sports still exists. Just Fox yeah. Sports 1 and Fox Sports on Big Fox. But it but the localized specialized channels are Bally Sports Indiana, Detroit, Midwest is St. Louis.
0: Right. So, those are what I've, So, so Joshua, Josh... Before yeah, we go. let you
1: go, is there anything you want to recommend besides QFest, which we want to mention again?
2: Absolutely, QFest. Um, QFest starts April sixteenth, goes through the twenty fifth. All online, virtual. Get your tickets at um, CinemaSt. Louis. Other than that, um, did you guys talk about Tina? Yes, Tina Turner. I talked
1: about Tina on the radio again yesterday.
2: It's worth talking about again and again and again. It's a beautiful documentary. I think it's one of the best kind bio docs I've ever seen. It's not earth-shakingly new territory, but what it does with her story and and giving it back to Tina Turner and giving additional um, context and having questions about celebrity, our relationships with celebrity, um, who owns their stories that they decide to share. It is fascinating and it's beautifully made and well put together and um you know it's got all the st louis ties to it well, too so
1: I, someone corrected me on the air yesterday because i said hey tina turner's got a star on the st louis walk of fame and they said no ike has a star tina does not and i said well Which that should be changed
2: is a travesty um excuse me i'll be right back to go change it myself <laughs> because that it that's insane. Uh I that consider, is um is probably rotting in hell. So, uh <laughs>
1: but and, he, but he won a grammy. The,
2: yeah. Later
0: uh, well life. um well uh I was going to say that you also have the golden anniversaries and Andrew Wyatt our colleague is going to talk about a horror yeah. film called Wake and Fright this Monday. And you have seen it,
2: right, Josh? Yeah, Wake and Fright is this classic, like, Ozploitation, which is, you know, this whole genre filmmaking that was happening in Australia during late 60s, 70s, early 80s. Um, and it's a, it's a quasi-horror movie. It's more of a psychological thriller. And it's got um, Donald Pleasance in it, plays this just evil, manipulative, almost like, omnipotent satanic figure and it's all about and it's also this thing about like toxic masculinity and it's it getting and sweaty and, in 1971 and it is a wild looking movie if you've seen anything by um nicholas rogue it's not made by nicholas Rogue. it's made by a director called ted ketchup or something like that didn't make a lot of movies but this is certainly the one of his <laughs> um you would be familiar with the, the whole um, kind of ethos of the exploitation and what they were up to down there. And of course, if you ever want to hear anyone talk about horror, you're going to... And I'm not saying it because he's my editor, You, but you do want Andrew Wyatt to talk to you about horror. Um, oh, yes. He, he, he's, he's just a expert. beautiful mind there. He knows. Yeah. yeah. And the, he, the he, other thing... Go oh, ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say he will take a horror film that you've dismissed and tell you reasons why
2: you need to see why
0: you're wrong
2: and absolutely make the most compelling and convincing arguments you know and we've had a few of them uh, but there are, are also some really you know he sees things differently and so to have that viewpoint and to be able to talk to Andrew you know if you're not someone who typically has access to you know chat with movie folks it's a really great opportunity to do these golden anniversaries things i got to do one on um last picture show back in january that was and larry mcmurtry so, so died fun.
0: recently
2: i know i know and i wish i had done even more talk about larry mcmurtry in that context beforehand but um i did get to give him some ownership over the film which felt um pretty good in retrospect so good because i think people I forget this, that go ahead yeah i mean it's 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 the book last picture show is his book you know uh the other thing is webster film series is showing um a film called um this is not a burial it's a resurrection that is a a film from lesotho um a country in africa that is locked in the middle of south africa um it was lesotho's first entry to foreign language oscar submission uh, wait, what are we calling it the international Film international submission. film Oscar yeah. right um and um it is uh the best film i've seen of the year so far. It may be better than anything I saw last year um it is a surrealistic journey of this woman who her son dies and she goes on this journey of self-discovery of ownership as her land is being taken over by or her ancestors land is being taken over by what is ostensibly corporations um but it has the vibe of Tarkovsky or Kubrick I think those are a lot of the touch points for people but it's um a gorgeously shot movie the color in it like you've never seen uh or haven't seen in a long time at least um and that one you can watch at home they have it in the virtual cinema i wrote it up on the lens where um i write on cinema st louis's website
1: hey, speaking of um, that so you if you go to cinema st slash the lens you can see joshua ray's writings and musings on movies yep where else can we find you joshua
2: um you can find my instagram and twitter it's at crispy retinas I, I won't tell the story. It does definitely have to do with Donald Trump looking at the um, solar eclipse. Nice. Okay, I told the story, uh, but uh, also at Letterbox at um, I'm Clifton Wayne.
1: I, I I know someone that just went on Letterbox the other day and got in a in a what was the a rabbit hole and wound up reviewing and doing 450 movies in a weekend because that's what happens when you go there.
2: Yeah, what what happens on Letterbox is that you have this initial rush of like oh my god, I get to record everything. Four I've stars, ever four stars. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> right. but, and, and but then you he, get addicted to it. Yeah. He
1: was upset that you could only get, you can't give zero stars, you can only give a half of a star. A
2: half of a star. One half of a star, I gave something one half of a star <laughs> um, the other day. I only have five movies on there that I've ever done. One half of a star, movie put up Plan Nine from Outer Space. I've never seen it before. Oh, it's it's horribly it bad. April yeah, yep, it lives up to its reputation.
0: Ed Wood, when Johnny Depp was soul. in his prime. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Well, um, nobody is out on demand this Tuesday. So I think I'm do- going to
1: see it. I, I keep hearing better and better things. Lynn, you liked it, but I think I think I now want to see it because yeah. he Bob Odenkirk has been out selling his soul for this film.
0: Yeah, he's been on the talk show round. Well, everybody enjoy your beautiful April weekend and more hockey,
1: hopefully more hockey. More hockey.
0: More hockey, Cardinal and and the BAFTAs are this week. Uh the Screen Actors Guild were last week. I think the Oscar race is shaping up and we'll have uh, more.
1: I think best actress is now more open than it was before.
0: Yes. I think best actress and best supporting actress are the question mark. I think the actor and supporting actor are cemented. Okay. And it'll make history if uh Chadwick Boseman and Daniel Kaluuya but I am of the opinion, and we'll talk about this more in a, a upcoming episode, but I am now thinking Minari might be the dork horse upset.
1: That's not, that's not, it's not an upset. <laughs> people, people love that movie. It would not be an upset if it won.
2: But I'll tell you, I am not the hugest fan of Nomadland, but the second I saw it, I knew that that thing was going to win Best Picture. So um, just, just because of my Oscar pool, it is going to be an upset if Minari wins. But Minari is <laughs> the far better film. You,
1: when I, hold on. You, you're, you have already filled out your Oscar picks now?
2: Oh, of course. I mean, they're all here. Right, 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 and right. Nomad Nomadland is one that will not change. And it hasn't changed. I called it months ago. I think it's going to happen. Now, what but happens in I will Gold be...
1: Derby the day before Gold Derby puts Minari up top? Would you change your Would you change your betting? No. I
2: don't listen no, because... to Gold Derby. No, because I think everything like the only thing left is Baftas, and I am very confident that Nomadland is going to pull out there. Um, I think the only thing that really could upset at the Baftas is uh Chicago 7. No, no, that would be an upset.
0: Yeah. What? Yeah, that that yeah. would now um we do have the Independent Spirit Awards coming up but that's not everybody that's nominated for no. an yeah. Oscar. But I do think because it's been such a long Oscar season oh. uh such a long one and uh, Nomadland's been the front runner all along and uh, we remember
2: La La Land and Moonlight you're right. I, and just like in that case, I'm not going to be mad if the one I thought was going to win doesn't win and wins uh, better picture wins. So, so I, I will, I will be okay if Minari wins.
1: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore
0: Carl the intern. Lynn, where will we find you young lady? You can find me in the Webster Kirkwood times. And on KTRS every Thursday night with uh, Miller Furniture Presents, Lynn Venhouse Goes to the Movies, on Ray Hartman's St. Louis in the Know, I'm usually on around 10.20, 10.30. And then uh, I have my own website, poplifestl.com, which we have three movies that are for on QFest right there. And then uh, we are here every weekend.
1: Oh yeah, I've been on the Mark Reardon show and the Annie Fry show for the last two weeks. I keep forgetting to mention that, but...
0: Well, you should. And I'm on
1: all the
2: socials.
1: (laughs) Joshua, thank you for being on with us, sir.
2: Thank you for having me again. I'll look forward to the next time, too. We'll do it. Yes, we always look forward to you being on.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. Shop local. Bye-bye.